0: So you're that looking like a, well, you're looking good. Well, I just told everybody that the reason that Kevin is not here yes. is that one of our students in Cleveland was exposed on Saturday, tested positive on Sunday. I've gotten laryngitis Sunday morning, flew home Monday, went to get tested Tuesday morning. Cause I found out Monday that she tested positive on Sunday. And I tested positive on a rapid test, but we haven't got the PCR test back. But this is all I got. It's the same laryngitis I had a couple of months ago. Yeah. I can still smell everything. Good. Including the dog. And (laughs) um, (laughs) no skin soreness, no fluid thing. Good. Zip. So. Yay. Taking, What vitamin C, vitamin vitamin C to bowel tolerance,
1: yeah. Um,
0: Vitamin D, fifty thousand units. Yes. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and um, zinc, hundred milligrams, and actually took some ivermectin because David Musnick sent it to me. Yeah. They think it works, but you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So Yay. just quarantine up here in my little office.:
1: Yeah.
0: And I spent until like from 2:30 to 7:30 last night doing emails, just in case I felt terrible today. Right? Because I didn't feel terrible yesterday and I should have, so who knew, right? Right.: And then today, I've been fine too. Good. For, you know the frog voice.
1: Yeah, but like you said, you get that from time to time. That's like your thing. That that's get. my
0: that's my thing that's god's way of telling me you need to stop talking
1: <laughs> no we need you to start we need you today, keep it going. at least
0: today i'm like more like lauren bacall
1: less like squeaky the mouse <laughs>
0: <laughs> yesterday was sad sunday was yeah monday was worse
1: yeah well i'm glad you, you look fantastic so let's well, just i feel actually that good makeup, good. makeup well and And, you know, sometimes like getting ready really helps. I mean, my mother used to always say, and I don't know if my mother stole this from my grandmother who stole this from somebody, but she said the days that you feel your worst, you should always try to look your best. Oh, yeah. So there you go. So we get all ready and we get fancy for these Zooms. Let's get up these questions really quick before we go any further, because we're talking about COVID right now. And um, one of the questions is, I guess, which were the programs that you were running on yourself? Flu, um, respiratory flu, or flu and organs?
0: I always run flu, organs, and brain yeah. because it's more comprehensive. Yeah. And so even if you don't have any brain symptoms or organ symptoms, COVID always affects those because they're so well vascularized. Yeah. So I've been taking baby aspirin since, well, actually since last Tuesday because I got my Vaccine booster on Tuesday. So it would be more or less affected by Friday when I got on plane or Thursday when I got on planes. And um, so I continued taking that mm-hmm. as an anticoagulant. And every now and then I throw in a natokinase just in case. Um, so yeah, always all, the flu respiratory plus organs plus brain. And I noticed that I ran capillaries twice. Um, I programmed George's unit f- with it, and I noticed in this in the standard mode bank, I pr- I used capillaries twice and didn't use arteries. I have to correct that in the mode bank. But those of you that are downloaded that have downloaded that protocol, see if you can go in and correct that mistake. Make the second one sixty two the capillaries and the sixty two the arteries. Got it. Um, And it's when I'm not running it on me, I'm running it on my picture. Does that work? I don't know.
1: (laughs) I knew you were gonna say that.
0: (laughs) No, it's really, it's a certain amount of biophysics involved that you have to accept on faith because magnetic fields are invisible. Right. So we are electromagnetic beings that have an electrical field, energy field that's in the visual spectrum that's how come you can see me. Right. And you, you also have an electromagnetic field that is in the magnet. You put off a magnetic field. There's a podcast I did for the Germans that I did for us as well. And I can't remember what the name of it is. Your magnetic field goes, especially from the heart and the brain, but from the heart from your body goes out the front circles, the planet and comes in the back. There is no place where your magnetic field is not, okay? And that's just biophysics. If you don't believe it, read Jim Oshman's book, take a biophysics class if you can stand it, or you can just, believe me, suspension of disbelief thing. So there's your magnetic field. When you take a photograph of yourself, it includes the visible light spectrum And there is the theory that it also includes the magnetic invisible spectrum. That's the theory. So there are a number of FSM practitioners and it all started with George. I'm gonna blame it on him. And there are FSM practitioners who heard it from George and they put a photograph on a copper plate so that it conducts the frequencies and you hook it up just like you would, red and green, black and yellow, and you put a picture on the copper plate, or you can use aluminum foil. If you don't have access to copper plates, aluminum foil, put the clips on it, make a two-layer square. And then what I've been doing for me is putting the flu virus program on my picture on the copper plate on the mag- with the magnetic converter. and it works so I ran it yesterday while I was in here doing emails I ran it on myself in person last night it's 190 minutes so it's three hours long the full one who can run that on themselves in the daytime
1: unless Um, you have COVID and you're lying in bed many of all the time yeah
0: (laughs) except I've never been lying in bed yeah good I started running it on Sunday night just in case And the reports, like there's one of our MDs who ran it on the picture of a friend of his who is on a ventilator and not looking good, started running it on the guy's picture. Values started to drop. The bad news started to drop the first day, the second day. By the third day, he was off the ventilator. And... The doc that was taking care of him said, I don't know what happened, but you just reverse course. What is that about? So we have reason to expect that it works. I ran it on my shoulder after I broke my shoulder. I ran microcurrent 12 hours a day for six weeks. After that, I couldn't stand to have current on myself. So I just ran it on my picture. And the fracture healed anyway. And I could feel it when it was on and when it stopped. That's so cool. So, well, it's, it's cool. It's weird. It's biophysics. And I love it when Jim Oshman is right. So
1: there you go. Nice. That's funny today. Well, it's kind of a carryover from like yesterday. We have these like things that kind of trickle from podcast to podcast. Cause we go on these little paths that we go on and explore things and chat about things but one of the things I really highlighted today was applications all the different ways that we can apply our devices and what we do and so we talked about the picture thing which is one thing but you know we have the wet towels we have the stickies we have the magnetic converter and a lot of um, what's that wraps with the wraps yes So out of, I mean, I get so many questions about, well, what do you use? And I say, yes, (laughs) like what? Yes, I use everything. And I mean, we can chat about this, but like one isn't more superior to the other. It all really depends on what the injury is, what the condition is, what the patient's lifestyle is like. I mean, there's so many ways there's never an excuse to not run something.
0: Oh, and it depends actually on the patient's belief system as well. Right. So in the clinic, I don't use the magnetic converter, except on babies. And that's because it is weird enough to have frequencies you can't hear and current you can't feel without having some alternative medicine doctor put blinky light things on you. That is like over the top. Right. So. Most of the people I treat have some sort of nerve pain, spinal cord or vagus nerve disorder. And it's still my opinion that direct current applied to a nerve affects voltage gated ion channels in the nerve axon better than pulse DMF. That being said, at night when my hand gets painful, And I don't want to get up, and I'm certainly not going to use wet towels on my pillow. I put a magnetic puck behind my neck. I set it up on nerve pain set at alternating on my custom care. Put the other puck in my hand that's being problematic. And punch a button, go back to sleep. Right. And the hand pain's gone when I wake up the next time. Right. Yes, it probably works on nerves. But no, I don't use it in the clinic. I tend to use wraps. Yeah. Other than towels, because towels, there's a lot of surface area and they get cold. Oh,
1: I have a brand new supplier for my sports wraps. It's organic bamboo terry cloth. I got it imported from Canada. Sweet. They'll be at the advance. I had to just interject because I did the happy dance the other day when they finally came because my wraps have been on back order forever. But the wraps are so handy and they're white so you can bleach them. Um, but white? I got white ones this time. Every year I do a different color so I can track like how like what year the people bought the wraps. Oh, kind of like good. Apple. Um, but you're right. When you have patients in the clinic, um, especially new patients, it's one thing if you've had patients for years and there's that trust and they don't care what you do to them, they, that trust is established, but yeah, it's very hard for some people to wrap their heads around microcurrent because they're thinking they're getting tense. They're thinking they're getting this like stimulating device. They don't understand how it's sub sub subthreshold. And I tell the story all the time whenever I'm lecturing is when I have these professional athletes in and they expect this stimulus and they're sitting there and I'm like, Hey, they're not buying into this. And I'll use, sometimes I'll use stickies because that's better for them because they can see the electro pads and they think it's going to like do something. And I'll just things it can. Yes. And I'll just, um, turn the volume up on the precision care. And they're like, oh, yeah, now I feel it. And I'm like, oh, whatever. (laughs) But, you know, whatever whatever it takes for that patient and you have to gauge it right when they come in. So, oh, we have a lot of questions coming in already. I just want to go back to applications. So, like I said, it doesn't really matter what type of one is not superior to the other although I tend to like the electrodes with there's an acute fracture. And maybe it's just my brain thinking that it's condensing the current and that interferential crosshairs. Well,
0: of course, because you have to put the pads above and below the cast. Right. Is anything wet around the cast? No. Or a wound, you know, with a gauze thing? Right. Of course, duh.
1: Yes. But even with surgery, when there's like, uh, you know, I talk about this at the symposium when I treated my daughter's um, talocalcaneal fusion postoperatively, I made them take the cast off two days after they put a hard cast on and I freaked out taking her home. And I sort of kind of lied. And I called the doctor, I called the surgeon after about 36 hours. And I said, something smells funny in her cast. I think we need to cut this off. It didn't, nothing was smelling. I just needed that cast off so I could like get at that wound and see what was going on. But yeah, I think aside from using the, those electrodes in that really those specific areas where there's like a tendon or like something very specific, that's the only time I can think where I might whip out my electrodes in the clinic.
0: The other time is when somebody has to move. Now you can put wraps.
1: Yes. But
0: I have a parent with a AFM kid and he doesn't like the wet things. So she said, how do I use the pads? Well, you have to have four inch pads because they have to wrap the exiting nerve roots and then four inch pads at his elbow. Yeah. just what he's lost. Well, one at the elbow and one at the side of his chest because what he's lost is all the shoulder muscles especially the C5 innervated ones. The only pads I use are the two by four ovals because they wrap more easily than the rectangles, I think.
1: All right. Is question? Sure, okay. I'll read them because somebody said that you need to stop talking and I need to start talking a little bit more. That's, <laughs> People that's, don't that's, tune in to listen to me though, so. Right. That's Leif. And George <laughs> has known him since he was a child. So I love that family. Okay. Leif, so you so can see it. me out there, Leave. Okay. So let's go back to some of these questions here. So I'm um, just wondering is one hundred and sixty malignant virus time dependent. PS I'm loving the podcast. Thank you. So do you think, and is we do run a lot of the viruses a long time. Um, it's not a one minute and done, but you go. One minute.
0: It depends on what it affected and when. So the lady we treated, the young lady that we treated in Florida, she was 19 and she had full body CRPS. She had gastroparesis starting when she was seven. She had a port installed when she was 12. And her mom said that she had a really bad virus when she was six, all in her throat and her mouth. Well, all we have is 160 for that general virus category. So I ran 160 in the vagus from her neck to her pubic bone, because the vagus was basically denervated by this virus because she started going to the nurse's office every day at school after lunch with a stomach ache. So she had SIBO or gastroparesis starting when she was seven in the first grade, had a port when she was 12. So I ran, we ran one machine by itself on 160 on A and 109 on B for basically two hours. And then we did a second machine that ran vagal tone and her POTS was so bad that I was afraid to run 81. I just didn't want to take a chance. So we ran the basics and the 40 and 89, 40 and 94, and then Vitality in the Vegas for an hour and a half. So yes, I think it might be time dependent, but you just feel for Smush, and you'll know when you're done. Good question. Um
1: Great question. Um, I'm just going to go down the list right now while we have a chance here. Um, so, Lee's question, where to find flu and organs and brain? That's in the newest Mode Bank, I believe, um, update. Also in the Vegas podcast. Also in the Vegas podcast. Don't forget ALF. Okay. Well, ALF might be on a different screen than what I'm seeing. In the Q&A.
0: Is there anything extra that you would recommend to improve sure. lymphatic drainage besides congestion 50 and 13? along with movement. I'd do 40. Uh, one, so inflammation, torn and broken because the lymphatics leak, and then vitality in the lymphatics. Turn the current up, run it neck to feet, polarize positive, and have them pump while they're doing it.
1: I didn't, I don't see that one. Oh there it is. Never mind. Got it now. Um, Jane, I have a client who has had an MRI with contrast T twelve T two showing a fatty lesion on the sciatic nerve, which the client says is at the location of former trauma. It apparently impinges on the nerve, causing pain. No biopsy yet, so I'm wondering if you have a suggestion for dealing with a fatty tumor if it turns out not to be cancerous.
0: Yes. Number one, don't let them biopsy the sciatic nerve. Don't 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 do that. That's bad. I've done what, and once they do it, you can't ever fix it because they take a chunk out of the nerve, and the nerve and the brain have an opinion about that. Basically, it's a lipoma, so it's three on A and ninety seven on B, and probably three ninety six, and you might try scar tissue in the nerve, but it's sclerosis in the adipose, so the surrounding fascia, fascia surrounding the nerve has turned the scar tissue into fat, maybe. So I'd try that. And what's that nerve sheath thing that
1: I never use that might work? What is it, 45? 145? It's something 45 that I try. Oh, no, 475? Or 75. Yeah. 475. Yeah. I try it all the time and I just never, nothing blows my hair back with that one. But I always... I always keep going there. Hoping. Hoping. One day. Always try it. It's worth a try. Um, What about using scarring in the fascia 13 and 142 or increasing the secretions in the fascia?
0: Polarize it from the low back to the foot. Treat for scarring in the nerves, scarring in the fascia, sclerosis in the adipose. I don't know about increased secretions in the fascia. you have to get rid of the lipoma which means you have to give it room to leave
1: yeah
0: so i'd be hesitant about putting more stuff there right just in case the immune system might be able to get to the lipoma and take it out right you probably have to treat the capillaries
1: yes yes
0: capillaries since i'm going to be in england in september
1: and you're talking to a canadian yes oh are they capillaries we're capillaries yeah in (laughs) canadia yeah (laughs) yes jane says also we've been using lasers electrodes attached to a silver spoon for a client who has experienced covid long-haul symptoms of tongue mouth vocal cord paralysis interesting that's a good idea and
0: for vocal cord paralysis remember that the vagus nerve is turned off by infection stress and trauma so you run all of those virus frequencies from the flu protocol, from the COVID protocol, all of the virus frequencies on the vagus to remind the vagus that the virus is gone, thank you very much. And then the way to get the vocal cord paralysis reversed is take the virus out of the vagus, quiet down the midbrain, run the virus frequencies on the midbrain on the medulla on the Vegas. So you create a special Vegas COVID protocol and you run all of that and then increase secretions in the Vegas once that's finished. And I'd run each one of the viruses for, there's six of them, probably four minutes a piece.
1: And all this information is on the Vegas podcast that you have. Well, uh, the Vegas, or the Vegas webinar. No, the, the COVID webinar.
0: Yeah. The, COVID webinar and the Vegas webinar, and you just take the virus frequencies from the COVID webinar, and you match them with all of the tissues in the vagus webinar. So the midbrain, the medulla, and the vagus. And then you spend as much time as you can, probably 30 to 60 minutes, increasing secretions of the vagus because the vagus does saliva it is about half, like the whole anterior motor part of the tongue. Glossopharyngeal is the back part. Vagus, I'm pretty sure does motor in the tongue and it does all of the motor in the vocal cords. Put a pulse oximeter on the patient. Pulse should start up in the upper 80s and should come down
1: as the vagus starts to work. Should stop in the 60s So um, Jane's been putting in um, the chat here, the doctor wants to do a needle biopsy. No, 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 Uh, no. Uh, (laughs) Get a cold, Uh,
0: get a positive COVID test. I'll reschedule for next month, anything.
1: Oh, and sounds like she's been doing that too on the Vegas, so that's good. And it sounds like there'll be a case report on this. Good job, yay. I just want to make sure that we got through all that before we move on anymore. And then Leaf says here, Harry Van Gelder used to rip casts off of kids when they broke bones. I think, I think I would like Harry if I met him. <laughs> I really do with all these stories. I feel like him and I would have, I would have wanted to be his friend.
0: <laughs> By the time I met him, he was 87 and about as um, interesting as an 80-something-year-old Dutchman could be who has never been wrong in his life. Right. I believe he'll tell you.
1: Well, my mother was Dutch and my grandfather was Dutch. So I I, I get that elderly Dutch. Um... But it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we got through, amazing, got through some of the questions so far. I'm sure there'll be more kind of still going down the application just so I can check this box and file it away forever and ever and ever we run frequencies through water so a lot of my athletes bring their custom carriers and they put their leads right in the tub and they freak out when i tell them to just drop the leads in the tub but not the unit not the unit just the leads and it's not like plugging a hair dryer in and dropping it in but We also will run it in water that we drink, especially at the advanced. We have our concussion um, water, we have our brain fog water. Can you touch a little bit about how to charge water, how long it lasts for? Do you yourself like what frequencies can we use this with? I had a practitioner ask if we could talk about infusing frequency into cream or lotion for manual therapy. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Water, we've been doing for years. Because back in 1998, when we first, seven maybe, when we first started using FSM, we had a water dispenser in the clinic with a, you know, the big five-gallon jug. And one day we ran the concussion protocol into the water and didn't tell anybody. And we just, maybe it was relax and balance anyway. And then we put the water jug up and didn't tell anybody. Well, my bookkeeper came in and she filled her water glass and went back to her office. And oh, she is, she was a, a church, um, the bookkeeper, bookkeeper from a local conservative Christian church, a very quiet, introverted young lady. About an hour later, we heard her singing, humming in a room. And then I got quiet. And then she came out and met me in the hall and she said, Did you do something to the water? And I went, "Uh, Oops. Yeah, actually. She said, Oh, okay, that explains it. And she went back in. So that was our first and only blinded test. Later on, as our team grew, we had parents that would put the delayed onset muscle soreness and the concussion protocol in the teams big water containers and the kids would fill their water bottles from one or the other. And then we started doing this at the advance probably in 2007 or eight. And it seems to have the desired effects on so the morning. It's always concussion, relax and balance. And in the afternoon it's brain fog and concussion. Right. It seems to hold the charge for 12 hours. 12 hours. Roughly.
1: Yeah.
0: And the mechanism is, you got to ask Jim Oshman. So next year at the symposium, and we'll ask him at the symposium if he can comment on
1: how that works or why. OK. And
0: okay. we can't answer Michelle's
1: question. About the deep focus okay. binaural. Nope, nope. Okay. we can't do that.
0: OK that device doesn't have liability insurance or FDA clearance, and it doesn't exist as far as we're concerned. So you need to talk to the person that sent
1: it to you. There you go. There you go. There's the answer to that question. Now, what about like, so would it be in theory, the same as putting it into like massage cream or lotion? Um, Tom Affleck has done that. It has to be a water base. Okay.
0: And so we like just Lubriderm, I think, which is a water base. Okay massage cream
1: yeah but i've never never tried it i don't and he runs whatever in it yeah he
0: says it helps right um, i'm not sure what he runs maybe we could ask tom
1: yeah um it just seems to be like a, one of those reoccurring comments that i get from time and time i don't i don't do it myself i tried to drink brain fog water one uh week instead of having coffee I was a homicidal maniac by day five, so I stopped the study for the health and welfare of my family and went back to drinking coffee.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, no, taking somebody off of coffee. How was the headache? Terrible. Oh, yeah. No, I've been drinking coffee since I was seven. you know, was- you said some, I think for a year and my brain was never normal.
1: I think the funniest thing you've ever said since I've met you and I laugh out loud to this day thinking about it is we had an advanced in Vegas one year and it was um the if you've been to Vegas a lot of the hotel rooms do not have coffee makers do you remember this hotel and so people were like yeah but you could just go down to the lobby and get a coffee and you said no I need coffee to get to the lobby.
0: So <laughs> oh, I ordered a coffee maker.
1: From Amazon. I did the same. Amazon.
0: And I went across the street and bought ground coffee <laughs> from, like, from the Whole Foods. Whole
1: Foods, yeah. <laughs> it's but, I mean, I knew I always loved you. But when you said that, I was just like, yes, we need coffee to get to the hallway, to get to the lobby. Get dressed. So- Get any, Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's so funny. So I can finally check that off. I, I have a question that's part, part personal. Like I was thinking about it this, this week, because I had taken almost two weeks off of seeing patients with my own COVID struggles. I was fine after four days, but this brain fog and fatigue has taken forever to go away. And finally this week, I've come out of the fog. I've had the most challenging patients. I've been sharing them with you. So way to hit me with with everything. But one of the questions I think we, we all kind of see from time to time is when we get stumped, right? And when the patient's pain doesn't match the history, it doesn't match the mechanism of injury. It doesn't match what you're seeing. Makes my brain hurt. I know. And, you know, aside from like, sharing, you know, imaging, I, I shared some with you yesterday. I'm like, what, what am I, what am I missing? And I try to troubleshoot it in three columns. I try to look at like a systemic view. Okay. Has there been, you know, trauma virus, something that could affect the system. I look at neurologically, where is this coming from? Is this coming central? Is this spine? Is this peripheral nerve? And then I think MSK, because it's never the muscle, it's never the muscle, you know? So how do you troubleshoot this? Where do you go? I mean, you have the most mileage in this, but so you might take it for granted how fast you can no, get. I it. You emailed it to me, right? I texted it to you, texted you. It was just some imaging reports. Oh
0: yeah. I saw this, there it is. And I tried to read it on the plane and it's been too crazy. I know. When it doesn't match... The last thing I want to think of is the emotional component Yeah. and secondary gain. And secondary gain is a really an evil phrase because nobody does it on purpose. It's not like, gee, I want people to feel sorry for me. I want somebody else to do my dishes. Right. But I had to finally admit that when you look at the patient as a whole, if their pain and dysfunction or disability, whatever that is. Yeah. If that is the only power they have in their family or their environment, it is unreasonable to expect them to give it up.
1: Wow. Yes.
0: And that's, that has been a tiny percentage. It's much smaller than independent medical examiners think it is, but it's true. So the patients that will get better a little bit, so they get 40% better and your goal is 100%, they get 40% better and then they stop coming until they're back to a total mess. And then they'll come four times until they're 40% better. They never finish their rehab. They don't do their exercises usually because they don't have time. Right. And they drop off at the 60 or 50% mark. Your goal is 100%. At some point, you have to ask yourself, what's a patient's goal? And there are two things that happen if you have trouble with that. So there are times when, depending on the relationship with the patient, I'll ask them, what's a reasonable goal for you? Hmm. What do you need to be able to live your life? I want it all gone. That is usually men. So if they are 90% better and 10% is left, nothing happened because it's still there. Mm -hmm. Now that's 40 and 89, Mm -hmm. right? But it's also a guy thing. I've never had a female patient have that response. And
1: Uh yeah. yeah. Pro- professional athletes or high-level athlete women um, will be that percentage. That'll be like, it has to be hundred percent gone. I have to be 110% better. But aside from that, I, I would agree with that hundred percent. It's
0: like, well, maybe I'm not your guy. Right. And then there are the people that just, there's, there's a pair that came in as a couple. He has Parkinson's, moderate, moderate towards advanced Parkinson's. He's had it for severely for 10 years, gradually for four years before that. And then he woke up worse one day. He can't talk. He can hardly walk. Used to be the breadwinner and the business operator. She's driving the bus now. She came for FSM. They drove eight hours and we treated him. He's the first Parkinson's patient I've ever failed with. They have no mechanism of onset. She's had his mercury removed, but they haven't had him chelated. They've done with mold, but haven't finished with the, the um, binders. And I said, he needs medication. This man wants to be able to talk and walk. Oh, we've heard these terrible things about medication. Yes, but you need a neurologist that is not an idiot. Hey. that will manage receptor agonists and levodopa carbidopa so that this man can function. This is what you need to do. You need to combine. You've done every alternative thing. I swear to God. And he gave me a hug and said, thank you. She waved from the door and said, thank you. And then texted me and said, they were going to see somebody in Idaho that uses a laser on the brain. She She has her husband completely dependent on her For the first time in their lives and she won't let him get the medication that he needs it's and i didn't realize that dynamic until after they left and she texted me about lasers in idaho just try a month's worth of medication oh no if he goes on medication he'll never get off no 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 not if it's properly managed right and you find a neurologist that is not an idiot. All due respect for any neurologists who are listening in, but finding a neurologist that does a physical exam, the one at Stanford didn't touch him, watched him walk and told him they needed a deep brain stimulator without ever, that's a good face, without ever doing a medication
1: trial. That's sad. Yeah.
0: at what point he gave up. I treated him for four hours. History was an hour. Treatment was three hours the first day. Second day, treatment was two hours. Third day, treatment was two hours, but I charged him for one hour because we weren't getting anywhere. Yeah. So it was obvious at the end, with Parkinson's, it either works or it doesn't at the end of 60 minutes.
1: Right. Those are almost nice patients to have because you you can say, okay, if it doesn't work after one, I'm not your guy. But where I slam my head into the wall and start sending you imaging reports is when I've seen somebody for months and I've gotten them better. And then it's like this backslide of, okay, what am I missing? Because I know I know we can do something. I know we can get it there. And then there's just something that you know, and I don't take it personally and I don't feel bad anymore because there's so many things we can access and treat. Like you say, you're not expected to go there. And I think that's why we have such a great community and why the Facebook um, page is so nice because we can put stuff up there and, you know, a naturopath is going to see something different than the osteopathic doctor who sees something different than the mold guy. So I don't you
0: know run them for three months and they're improving. They've had that trajectory. And then for reasons you don't, un- you don't know, they backslide. Yeah. I'd run TTH. Yes. Already did
1: that. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have a custom care. Do they run it? Yes. Okay. I believe so. I here's- say that with a lot of certainty, but I, I do believe so.
0: So here's the thing with the custom care, the treatment hours. hmm times out if you have any more than like five programs on it so send her home with just the top five that she's to use and when she comes back the next week click that box on the 2.0 software yeah and see which programs will
1: run for how long okay i'll keep you i'll keep you posted with that one let's go to um another question that's on here julie says i have a client with as and PHN. I ran the protocol for PRN and his pain level went up. Doctors yes. cannot I'm guessing decipher if his pain is from AS or PHN. He has a few discs in the lumbar region which are fused. Any idea as to why?
0: What level was the nerve that had posttrapedic neuralgia? Julie, what nerve was had the post neuralgia?
1: I can't. Underworld. And then really quick, somebody asked, what do you mean the custom care runs out if more than five protocols are downloaded? It just can't read the, the usage history.
0: Yeah. So there's that icon over on the right that said patient's usage history. It's got a really small RAM because the thing was programmed in the dark ages in 2007. Yeah. So it just, so it just doesn't have much RAM. Wait, wait, wait. Julie, what do you mean the patient doesn't know what level? He has post neuralgia. It would have been the level that had shingles. How how does somebody not know when they had shing, where they had shingles?
1: They yeah.
0: That doesn't make any sense. No. So what yeah. makes them think it's postherpetic neuralgia? Hmm.
1: We'll we'll stay tuned and we'll we'll see yeah. what they say. So here is
0: the thing though with um yeah that's a question you should ask with ankylosing spondylitis. There's. Thank you, good face. Ankylosing spondylitis, there's oftentimes foraminal encroachment. And post-trepetal neuralgia, you're treating the nerve polarized. And if you polarize the nerve in a root that is stenotic, the pain will go up. So that's the only thing I can think of.
1: I still want to go back to how do you, how do you not know, like even with the history, though, they would explain where where it was, right? And you would ask, like- well,
0: Sounds like the patient said to Julie, I had tingles and Julie believed him and didn't do a sensory exam possibly.
1: Okay. Right.
0: Because wherever he had post-traumatic will be either numb or numb and hypersensitive at the same time.
1: Right.
0: So go back and review the PA-10 segment. It's only three, or three slides and it could be a whole webinar. Yeah, I'm going to guess that that's the answer is it's stenosis, foraminal stenosis because of the ankylosing spondylitis. And he might just have simple sciatica that can't be polarized. So run it alternating.
1: Right. We talk a lot about stenosis and if pain goes up and there's stenosis, do you have, what are your favorite go-tos for treating stenosis? Well,
0: (laughs) There's two go-tos. One is to treat with alternating current, Yeah. move the electrodes slightly away from the nerve root that's painful. And when it's really bad, there's a reason that God invented surgery. The challenge with central stenosis is it's dangerous in the cervical spine, easy, relatively easy in the lumbar spine. Lumbar spine, it's probably a good idea to do a 360 fusion. So you just take the disc out from the front. You take the lamina off in the back and pin it. And then just get agreement to treat them immediately after surgery and clean up the mess later. Lumbar stenosis is easier. Foraminal stenosis can be tricky. So hunt around for a neurosurgeon. not. Orthopedic surgeons are probably not your guy for foraminal stenosis because they're not sure what nerves are about. Neurosurgeons get it. So foraminal stenosis. And before they go to surgery, you can probably put it off by two or three, maybe four years by making the nerve pain protocol, alternating Take the cord treat periosteum treat the nerve. Now, getting rid of the stenosis itself is, there's that section in the five-day about what causes bone spurs, right? Mm-hmm. Peraminal stenosis does not come from space. It comes, well, like for me, they fuse five, six, and six, seven, made the disc go away so I can walk. That's a good thing. But because the joints don't move, I now have foraminal stenosis on both sides, right. of course, on the right. And that's because the joints don't move. So there's constant pull in the tendons and ligaments. And the body calcifies it because it doesn't move. If it moves, what is that? If it moves, salute it. If it doesn't move, calcify it.
1: Right.
0: That's... I guess the way to deal with that would be 91, and in my case, 217, with the periosteum, the connective tissue, and the ligaments, and that's got to run for hours, so inflammation and calcification are the things that cause the bone spurs, and then the way to get rid of them is somehow to get the muscles to move, because my facets aren't fused, just the disc is. Right because the disc is fused, my brain says, you don't wanna move that, are you crazy? It's me being bad and not doing my little exercises, Mm -hmm. but I do both and just expect that it's gonna take six to eight months to dissolve the bone spurs that are at the foramen and you have to talk the patient into putting up with it by getting rid of the pain that they have. That's driving them towards the surgery. Right. Because formal stenosis is not much fun. Right. But that's also where you want ketoprofen and lidocaine, topical compounded cream that we talk about in the core. Mm-hmm. And you can put it at the wrist as well.
1: Right. So stay tuned. Right. Excellent. For, for calcification, you said 217, but we typically use 91 on A. Right. 217
0: is ankylosis. Yeah. And you start out with 91 hardening and a more brittle, harder kind of calcium is 217. Right. So probably seven years ago, I graduated and it just, it was as the PT or massage therapist was working on me. 91 used to be my friend. And then it abandoned left town
1: right
0: i said try 217 (laughs) totally dwarfed. we had a student at the well actually one of the instructors at the at the practicum in cleveland and we were it was a small class so he was the patient and he's in his late 50s early 60s but athletic and the girl the students were working on him and i said don't use 91, use 217. And he totally fell asleep. It was hilarious.
1: I love that. And, you know, I try to tell patients too, you know, when they do get dwarfed and they fall asleep, they think every treatment is going to be like that. And I'm like, and it doesn't make it more or less effective if you get all floaty or fall asleep. They're like, yeah, but I want that feeling. <laughs> and for some patients, you totally want them to just shut up and you want them to fall asleep. So you're like, come on, <laughs> what's it going to take? Go night, night now. Um, <laughs> I have to share that one patient. So I had two patient, two new patients last this week who had who came to see me with pain in their arm. And that's a good face because it's never just there was no fall, no mechanism of injury. So the first thing I do is I point to the diagram on my wall that has um, sclerotomes and dermatomes. And I'm like, does, does, does this kind of look like where you're getting the pain? That's exactly. I'm that guy. It's that purple, it's that purple stripe. That's me. I'm like, okay, it's coming from your neck. You need to go get some imaging but I want you just to treat my arm and I want you to like tape it. And I want you to like, do that thing you did to my friend. And I'm like, your friend hurt himself because he fell down a mountain. You woke up like this. So no. Great
0: strategy. They look at the imaging. They look at the thing on the wall. Yeah. And they, then your next question is tip your head forward. Does that make it better or worse? Yes.
1: You did that right. I did that. Yes, I'm fast-forwarding this just for, like, a fact. The
0: other thing is to look at where it's supposed to be. Lay the patient face down and stick your thumb in it and press. And if they go, ow, okay, that's why. And I I would treat them before imaging because between us, imaging never shows, almost never shows facet-generated pain.
1: No, but it showed... So I have to tell you the the fun part. So I did treat him. I could get rid of that pain and I knew it was only going to last a few hours, but he was a new patient and your goal is to get a new patient out of pain. And even if that means putting fancy blue tape on places, I'll put fancy blue tape on places. He had a video call with his primary care provider, like 30 minutes after seeing me, because I got him in on an emergency um, time slot. They told him he had sprained his elbow and they would give him anti-inflammatories he called me he's like my primary care disagreed with with that you thought it was coming from the neck and thought I just sprained my elbow okay go so find a new primary care provider that might see you in person
0: or listen to your history and find out you didn't do anything to your elbow
1: right and I think I'd actually text to do this I got a text. Um, a day later and said oh by the way I found somebody they did an MRI I have a bulging disc exactly where they you told me I the problem was so can I see you next week yes yes you can but you know and I it's just it's just so frustrating (laughs) I don't know how anybody without a mechanism of injury just seeing somebody like you or I to say oh you probably just sprained your elbow
0: and that's like, how do you find a neurologist that's going to do a physical exam instead of watching him walk and then, or recommending a deep brain stimulator for $60,000?
1: Right.
0: I just how, I, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't going, know. going back to our, our chat really quick before we wrap things up for today, um, the, one of the reply from the person that we were talking about with the uh, post-trapedic neurologist said, based on his pain diagram, the pain started in the glute area and ran down his leg. Did he ever have a rash?
0: Like, was it really shingles, or is it simple S1, S2, L5? Right, back of his leg, glute right. area could be S1, S2, or L5. Yeah, and then did it run down the back of his leg, the side of his leg, in his heel?
1: How far down did it go? That's right. Yeah, there's a lot to exam.
0: Yeah, sorry, Julie.
1: But I think, reg- regardless, I mean, you could always just start running peripheral nerve pain and see how far that goes. I mean, no harm, no foul, right? I mean,
0: post-traumatic neuralgia is very specific for post-traumatic neuralgia.
1: That's what I mean. So if, if, if it's just nerve pain, that's if the sciatic is getting just trapped in a tight glute, 13 and 396 is going to turn it to snot within 32 seconds.
0: Pretty much. Sometimes 34 <laughs> seconds like but...
1: You know what I mean. Um, but that's I think where some people we get so caught up in, is is it traumatic neurology? Could it be this, could it be this? Well, we'll just try something. Throw throw out a hypothesis and until it proves you wrong or right and then change it. So and, and
0: practitioners probably get really annoyed with me because I always ask, what's the sensory exam like? What were reflexes like? I never don't ask that. Right. And every time. I don't do that. I hear my invoice in my ears saying, what's his 100%. sensory exam, what's his,
1: right? Yeah, I hear your voice in my head with new patients, just so you know. Because <laughs> when I don't want to go there, I, I have to go there because it's such an easy way of charting and having a good starting point.
0: Well, and if even if you're not insurance-based and even if it isn't a forensic patient, At some point, you're going to go back and want to know what they were like on the first visit. So in a perfect world, you get really, it takes honestly 15, 10, 15 minutes to do a complete range of motion sensory reflexes. Our instructor at chiropractic college did a complete neuromuscular exam in 15 minutes it was amazing to watch but he was really efficient and practiced and and now that I'm back in practice seeing patients after so long just having time to dawdle I find I've lost the efficiency because I you lose the flow right but I always do a sensory exam and I always do reflexes range of motion and the other orthopedic tests are just focused to what the primary is right. but you never skip a sensory exam
1: no or
0: reflexes no it always has it comes to bite too
1: how is the clinic coming what's the uh where are we at
0: we have an occupancy permit we have a business license Yay. um we have a server but it's not quite finished yet so we don't have phones quite yet. Um, Doctor. Osterberg has been using an EMR system and I just sent her all of our forms and we're gonna do a combination of EMR using her, the one she's been using, and we're gonna use paper charts just because I'm a dinosaur.
1: And I still, I I have to to paper, I have to draw things and scribble as I go, so. Yes, we dinosaurs
0: have to stick together. And I'm really sorry. I was gonna go out there yesterday and take pictures because we got all the paintings hung and the artwork hung and it's so cool. And
1: We'll have to wait a few more days.
0: I'm still (laughs) looking for a physical therapist. So if anybody wants to move to
1: Portland, that would be fun. Well, that is it, we made it. You did it with your voice and and everything. Five o'clock already.
0: How do we do that again?
1: I don't know, but we we do it. And it goes by faster and faster every week. And I'm just glad I got through some of those things that I've been carrying over with the applications of of what we do. The advance is around the corner. I think you can still register probably right up until the day. So head over to frequenciespecific.com to register for the advance. You could do live in person. I'm so stinking excited. I keep sending you screenshots of my talk, which I have blown up and rewritten twice. All right. Are we
0: going to let you do an hour and a half? Or are you going to do the whole three hours?
1: No, I'm sharing the three hour block with, um, right. with somebody else. My diastasis talk is 90 minutes and it is so good.
0: I'm so excited. I love it when you lecture. This is so fun. Yeah. And I'm so excited. Like it's, I get to go to Phoenix. Yes. I found out when I went to Cleveland, how much I miss people in person. Yeah. And the instructor class, we have requests from India and Bangladesh to become instructors. And we've never videotaped the instructor course. Right. I'm going to buff it up make it congruent with the five-day practicum and try and cram it all into one day. And then we'll have instructors in India, Bangladesh, and believe it or not, our Lyft driver from the Cleveland airport to the hotel was a medical physician from Syria who moved to the U.S. during the war with his family 10 years ago. And when physicians move to the U.S., the U.S. Medical Institution Licensing Board wants them to redo not only medical school, but residency as well. So in Washington, D.C., 10, 12 years ago, I had a cab driver that was a neurosurgeon from Russia. So... This nice man, I apologized to him on behalf of our government and our medical establishment. And we met on Monday before heading back to the airport and discussed how it is that we're going to teach FSM in Qatar and the UAE, where he has good friends in the um, Ministry of Health in both countries. So... If you ever wondered whether or not the path for FSM is greased, I'm just saying things fall out of the sky. I will get, I'll be off quarantine by Sunday, I think, and I'll get pictures of the clinic in time for next week.
1: I love it. Well, that's it for our day today. You take care. You keep doing all your things. We will see everybody back here same time. Same place. Next Wednesday, keep the questions coming and we'll see you in a week. Do good things. Keep Bye. It out. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of po- doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations.